It's Wednesday night. I'm going to teach on something tonight that I have wrestled with for decades. And it's kind of straightened out this past week. I've taught on Melchizedek. I've taught on the tithe. The first man that received the tithe was Melchizedek in the 14th chapter of Genesis. We're going to kind of cover that along the way. Melchizedek was God's high priest. The high priest. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can by drawing you some outlines as I go along. If I say it twice, that's going to be because I don't think you get it on the first time around. Because I have wrestled with some of this for a long, long time. I knew that the tithe had to do with Melchizedek. And I put that up here. The tithe belongs to Melchizedek. There has been a transfer from Levi. Levi was the third born of Jacob. And he was the priesthood in the Old Testament. The priesthood. It has been transferred back to Judah. Judah, Jesus is the line of Judah. Jesus is the line of Judah. And I have seen that. The transfer came about in Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Now, the tithe was, when they tithed, they brought lambs, goats. But what did the fishermen bring? Did they bring a tenth of their catch and put it in a storehouse and after three days it's stinking? Is that what they did? People say, it was just for food. Well, what did Peter, a fisherman, bring as a tithe? He was a fisherman. You don't bring a tenth of your catch and say, here you are, priest, store this away. You don't store fish. And they had no no refrigeration. And what did a what did a worker in the marketplace bring? If he wasn't he didn't have he didn't have goats or lambs. Or what did a market worker or what did a farmer bring? We know that when Cain brought the works of his hands from the field as a farmer, that wasn't acceptable to God. These people had to bring a half shekel for a lamb. And if they had a lot of lambs that they had to tithe, if it was an unclean animal like a donkey, they had, that was unclean. How did you know the difference between clean and unclean? According to the dietary laws of the Jews, then the 11th chapter of Leviticus, in order to be a clean animal, it had to chew the good and to have a cloven hoof. A camel chewed the good, but he didn't have a cloven hoof, so it was unclean. It had to it had to have this, that's why they could they could use goats for sacrifices, they chewed the good and had a cloven hoof. Certainly cows chew the good and have the cloven hoof. And other animals there's not a lot, but that was a clean animal. 
Well, God says, I've cleansed all of, I've cleansed everything. And he's, as of the New Testament, he said, I've cleansed everything. You can eat what you want. I'm not going to go into that right now. But they had to tithe. And when the, when the Jews were given three feast days, three feast days to uh, come back to, we've got that on the, they were given Passover, which is the 10th day of the 7th month, not the 10th day, excuse me, 14th day of the first month. And they were given Pentecost, which is 50 days later. And I'll get to it in a minute here. Should have gone the other way. Well, here it is. They were given all these feast days. They had been scattered all over the world because for 500 years under kings, from Saul to Zedekiah, the last king of southern Judah, 500 years they had gone after Baal in the grove, and God said, I'll scatter you all over the earth. Well, he did that. So you got these guys coming from, this is a this comes out of the compendia. It's a map they have in the compendia, wonderful set of books about Jews that are coming back from every nation under heaven. Those were Jews from every nation at Pentecost in Acts 2. And they couldn't speak each other's language because they'd lived in these lands for at least 500 to 600 years. So when they come back, there's Jews from every nation. And every one of them... Now, you can't picture this guy from Rome coming and bringing a lamb and driving it all the way over here to Jerusalem, can you? He couldn't do that. Or they couldn't get on a ship and make sure their lamb was okay until they got over here to Jerusalem. They had to bring a half shekel for that sacrifice. And that would buy a lamb, and that's why they sold them in the temple. It was okay to sell lambs in the temple, but the money changers were giving a an exorbitant uh, interest on the money. They said, the Pharisees said, you had to change your money from Greek money into Hebrew money to buy sacrifice to offer in the temple. And that's the reason Jesus t- turned the tables over wasn't because they were selling lambs. They had to sell lambs. That come from everywhere. Hundreds of th- millions were coming back to Jerusalem. The Convendia said there was probably at least 12 million Jews there at Jerusalem in Acts 2. At least that many. So they have to come back and they have to buy a lamb. But the tithers would tithe. Why was it they gave lambs and goats? Israel was poverty stricken in the first century. So what they did, they were on a barter system. They traded in marketplaces for everything. Everything they did, it was a trade-out thing. So it was a barter system. They brought goats and lambs. It wasn't just for food. It was to upkeep for the Levites. Now, gosh, I don't know where to start with this. i got to show you who the high priest was. I believe... 
I believe in the 14th chapter of Genesis, go over there. I believe Shem was the high priest. Anytime God blesses a man, let me say this in advance. When God blesses a man and gives him his covenant, he makes him a priest. And he made us kings. He said, we are priests and kings. God hath made us priests and kings there in Revelation, the first chapter, the sixth verse. Priests offer acceptable sacrifice. Acceptable sacrifice and kings pronounce righteous judgment. When somebody says, judge not, say, I'm supposed to judge. I'm supposed to pronounce the judgment of God. John seven twenty four. look not at the outward appearance, but judge righteous judgment. When the Bible says, I'm going to say this again. I've said it so many times. When the Bible says, judge not, most people don't even know where that is in the Bible. It's actually in Matthew 7 and 1. When it says, judge not, the sentence starts with a verb. Anytime, that's a, what you call a direct address. Direct address. It would be in the vocative. You have nominative, genitive, dative, accusative case. And most of the... Uh, of, of the sentences you've got these and you've got a vocative uh, case and that vocative case will be judge not judge is the word crino it means to decide most people think it means to decide guilty that's all that's not all it means it means to decide guilt or innocent when people say judge not what they're doing, they are pronouncing somebody innocent by telling you don't say whether they're innocent or guilty. God's already said whether a man's guilty or innocent. Just simply apply his word, and if he won't repent, he's guilty. And so are you, and so am I. Now, so, where was I? All right. I don't know how it got me over here on this, but judge not has to do with with kings. He's made us priests and kings. We're a royal priesthood, he says. But we are not high priests. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to explain this and I'm trying to get it over to you and help you see it. Let me erase this. All right, I'm going to erase this title more or less up here because I want to go through some things with you. I'm going to show you why I believe God blessed Shem when they came out of the ark. He said, I'm not rambling. I'm trying, I see things from every direction blending together this picture is huge and it's all blending 
I'm not out here just chasing a trail, trying to make noise. All of this goes together. Let me kind of just put it on the board. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Shem was the second born of Noah. Of Noah. And the Bible says Canaan will be the servants of Shem. Canaan's father was Ham, the brother of Shem. Well, Shem, we get the word Semitic or Shematic from Shem. And that's the Jewish people, Israelis or Israelites, Jewish people, the Shemites. Well, Canaan would be the servants of Shem. Well, wasn't it the Canaanites that the Jews had to go and drive out? That's what it was. And that that Japheth the elder in the 10th chapter of Genesis, Japheth the elder will dwell in the tents of Shem. That's because when one person received the inheritance and evidently Shem received the inheritance because if these are going to be his servants and whenever they whenever a man would die he would leave one son the inheritance and the one son would make sure the others were taken care of in other words, they were not going to want for anything. So Shem would be their father. Godfather, if you want to call it. Now, Shem, I believe he was, he received the covenant of God. I believe that he, withheld, that he held the office of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is an office it's not a person, Mel, C-H-I-Z-A-D-E-C. It's an office. How do you know that? Well, the Bible says in the 7th chapter of Hebrews, in the 5th chapter of Hebrews, that Jesus is a priest. Let me move this. That Jesus is a priest... forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek is mentioned in Hebrews the 5th and 7th chapter it's mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Very important, though. Now, he's a priest forever after the order. There's the word right there. Order is the word T-A-X-I-S. It means, and it is a military word back in that day and time. We gotta, it comes from the word tact, or we get our word tact, are tactical. 
That is military. It means a fixed succession of priests. Well, if Jesus is a priest forever, then evidently when the priesthood started, when the first priesthood started, it was in Genesis, the third chapter. Jesus was God in the beginning. All things were made by him, and by him all things consist. He was the God that was in charge in the beginning. He said before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews took up stones to stone him in that 8th chapter of John because they said, he's made himself God. He said, he's the I am God of the Old Testament. That's exactly what he said. And he got away from them. Priests always offer sacrifice. Let me say this and make this real plain. You cannot offer sacrifice anywhere in the Bible unless you are a priest. What is the sacrifice that we offer? I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans 12 and 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We can't offer our bodies a sacrifice without murmuring, without griping on a daily cross, unless we are priests. He's made us priests and kings. That's the privilege you have. Here's the thing. Sounds like something out of a movie. (laughs) The firstborn was supposed to receive the inheritance and he was going to be the priest of the family and he was going to be the king. Among Jacob's children, because Reuben the firstborn in the book of Genesis, Reuben was unstable as water, the Bible says in Genesis, the 49th chapter. Unstable as water, he slept with his father's handmaids. And because of his instability, it was the prerogative of the father, or Jacob, to give those offices to whoever he wanted to. So he, he's got these sons Reuben is the firstborn, Simeon is the secondborn, Levi is the third, and Judah's the fourth. Levi was a substitute for Melchizedek until, gosh, I need to really make this clear. It's hard to understand it if I don't. I believe Melchizedek started in the Garden of Eden. That's where the office started. When Adam and Eve... Well, let me just look at that. Let's let's look at it here in Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis 3. All right. After they had eaten of the tree, in verse 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked... And they sewed fig leaves together. 
that did the works of their hands just like Israel did to try to cover up their nakedness, that try to cover up their sin and made themselves aprons. They thought that little Tarzan apron would cover them up and they could hide their sin. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you, Adam? Do you think God wasn't God enough to know where he was? He said, Where art thou? What he's saying is, Where are you spiritually? He couldn't be saying, where are you? I'm only God, and I just don't know where you are. Is this hide and seek? Am I going to have to find you? He knew where they were. When he said, where art thou? He's talking, where are you spiritually? And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Now, some people will say, well, he was just trying to uh, skip uh, past the book to Eve. He was not. If the living God says, who told you you were naked? What are you going to say? You're going to tell him the truth. He'd already talked to God about the woman, about the tree. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, I'm going to answer your question. I'll tell you who gave it to me. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. He's answering the Lord God, the one he knows is God. He's not going to pass the buck on this. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle and above all the beasts of the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go. And thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And he goes on here. And the Bible says, and to Adam, well, let me read verse 20. Adam called his wife's name Eve. Eve, Shavah, means the mother of all living. And forget this, that there was man. I do believe there was a original creation in the first chapter. And then there was, Satan was cast in the earth. But there was never man. There were, may have been man-like creatures. Eve means the mother of all living. When you had Sabbath Eve, that was Friday. It means the mother of the Sabbath. Uh, unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. That is so significant. God had to kill an animal to cover their nakedness, and he had to be a high priest to do it. I believe this is where Melchizedek started, right here. And Jesus is a priest. I believe this is Jesus, the priest of Melchizedek, in the office. When the Bible says, He is without beginning of days and end of life, but it is an office that's held by many until you get down to the end of the Levitical priesthood. When you see Levitical Think Levi, the third son of Levitical, T-I-C-L, 
think, Levi, there's an end to Levitical priesthood. Let me show you this, what I'm talking about. I believe this is where the priesthood started. I have wrestled with these, this list of men. Well, let me tell you what an, a taxis is. A taxis, that's the word order in the Greek. It's like an order of priests. If you go to a lodge and you will and you go in there to where the lodge is and you look at these pictures on the wall and this is a taxis, the same thing as order. Jesus is a priest forever. He starts the office of Melchizedek in Genesis three. He starts it there, but it finish it doesn't finish until the end of time. Here's you go into this lodge and it'll say High Potentate, that's their title. High Potentate of 1929. Then the next picture, if it's the same guy, or if it's another guy, it'll say High Potentate of 1930. And this will say High Potentate of 1931, and so forth down the line. That is called a taxis or an order. Like I said, that's a military term. It's the same thing whenever you uh, fall out for uh, to, to meet together in the morning and, the, and they say fall out and it's when you march and the sergeant says uh, forward march. You always start on your left foot. One, two, three, four, one. And when he says to the rear march, you he, he gives you that order on your left foot and you turn and you march backward. If he says to the right old black, that means you cut uh, 45 degrees this way. That's a taxis. That's a military tactical term. Taxis. So if Jesus starts it, forever means he's going to come up to a place here Come up to a place where Jacob has 12 sons. He's got Reuben, uh, Simeon, uh, Levi, Judah, uh, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, or Zebulun, for that, Zebulun, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. That's his sons right there. That becomes Israel. And it's his prerogative to give that. He gave the priesthood that Reuben failed in. He gave that to Levi. And then he gave the, the uh, kingship to Judah, the fourthborn. And he gave the inheritance to Joseph. The inheritance. So he split it up this way. They were actually substitutes for Reuben. Because Reuben was unstable. And God didn't want Reuben ruling. Now, I want to give you some things I've seen in this. I believe, 
all these men of this starts the lineage of God and I've tossed this around for years I've even said it here in Genesis 5 this gives you the lineage of God the righteous lineage that starts with Adam and Adam has a son his name is Seth that's in the third verse and Seth has a son whose name is Enosh and Enosh has a son whose name is Canaan. Canaan has a son whose name is Mahalaleel. In verse 12, Mahalaleel has a son whose name is Jared. I believe these are righteous men here. And in all probability, they have the priesthood of Melchizedek. And then you go on down here to Jared, to Enoch, in verse 18, Enoch has a son, Methuselah, in 21, and Methuselah has a son whose name is Lamech, in verse 25, Lamech has a son whose name is Noah, in verse 29, and Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then we see when Noah gets drunk coming out of the ark, he puts the curse on Canaan, the descendants of Ham, and he puts the puts the he takes the inheritance away from Jared, uh, not Jared, excuse me, Japheth, in the twenty first chapter, the tenth chapter of of Genesis. The tenth chapter is called Table of Nations. This is where all the children of these three sons of Noah migrated to, and it says. Japheth the eldest will dwell in the tents of Shem in the 21st verse of the 10th chapter of Genesis. Now, I want us to go over here. I believe, here's what I believe. I believe that this office of Melchizedek was passed to Shem, and Shem passed it in all probability to Abraham Isaac, then Jacob. When it gets to Jacob, it's an office forever. It never ceases to be. That's what Hebrews, the seventh chapter says. It's an office. It starts in the garden. It continues in Genesis 5. Let's go to Genesis 11. I'm going to show you something about Genesis 11. I believe in Genesis 11 we see uh, we see that the priesthood finally ends up in the hands of Shem. Now in chapter 11 these are the generations of Shem and 11 and 10. You ended up with Noah the father of Shem in Genesis 5. This continues the lineage of Shem. And Shem was a hundred years old and begat Arphaxed two years after the flood. So we're going to put two years. Two years. We're not interested in how long these guys live. I'm interested how much time there is between children. I'm going to show you what I mean. 
And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxed 500 years and begat sons and daughters. And Arphaxed lived five and thirty years and begat Salah. Thirty-five years. That's the time period between Arphaxed and Salah. And let us continue reading. Arphaxed lived after he begat Salah 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber. He was 30 years old when he begat Eber. Let's put Salah here. And we're putting this two years in because this is all after the flood. I got a reason for this. After flood. I mean, you're going to have to add these up to find out that Shem outlived Abraham. He went, Shem lived through all these guys. Now, Salah lived and begat Eber 403 years. After he begat Eber 403 years. And we've got Eber up here, 30. And then or 30 Salah lived let me back up Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber so 30 years 30 years begat Eber Eber lived 4 and 30 years and begat Peleg and Eber lived after he begat he lived 34 years 34 well I've got it all written here let me write it down I've got it written on my paper. Let me just, rather than read it. Okay. Arphaxed lived 35 years. And that's when he begat Salah. Salah. And then Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber. And Eber lived 34 years and begat Peleg. And Peleg lived 32 years and begat Serug. And Serug lived 30 years And begat Nahor. And Nahor lived 29 years. We're finding out the length of all these children from Noah until Abraham. Abraham. And 29 years and begat Terah. This is the father of Noah. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abraham, Nahor. You got two Nahors there. They named their kids after their grandfathers and so forth. Nahor 
and Abraham, Nahor, so you've got to add 70, 29, 30, 32, 34, and 30, and 75, and beget Nahor and Haran. The land of Haran was surely named after him. The land of Haran is the same thing as Babylon. Now, Nahor means to snore. And Abraham lived a hundred and seventy-five years. So what you got to do to find out? From the flood, you got to put two years after the flood and then beget, beget, uh, or fax it. I'll just put arf. So you got to add this 175 plus, plus these. Let's look at where Abraham died. Look over here in Genesis. Genesis, the 22nd chapter alright alright I'll get it here in a minute Genesis 25 7 excuse me 25 and 7 and these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived a hundred, three score, that's 60, and 15, that's 75. He lived 175 years. When you add these up right here, add them up, you get 465 years. From the flood, end of the flood, until the end of Abraham's life, was 465 years. Now how old, how long did, did according to that 11th chapter, how long did Shem live after the flood? He lived 500 years after the flood, didn't he? He lived 500 years. And you subtract 465. He lived 35 years longer than Abraham. He was alive when Abraham died. Shem was. So I believe when Shem, when you get in the 14th chapter, in order to show you what this means about the transfer back to, this would be equivalent, this would be equivalent, all those men would be equivalent to the office of Melchizedek. I believe it's very possible that all these men held the office of Melchizedek because it was a permanent office forever. And Jesus started it over here in Genesis, the third chapter. Now, 
Let's look here in Genesis 14. Genesis 14. Abraham has a nephew. His name is Lot. And he's captured by these wicked kings. Abraham gets his house together. People say, Abraham was rich. God wants us rich. Everybody in Abraham's house wasn't rich. Being head of a household, I said it earlier. When God made Shem in charge of the family, he had to take care and make sure Ham and Japheth were taken care of. When Abraham was head of the family, he he would tell everybody, Make sure everybody's fed. After it's all done, he'd say, now bring me a plate. They made sure everybody else was taken care of before they were, like any good mother would do. If a mother's been out all day long, if she's really a good mother and she's hungry and she's taking her kids all over town shopping, she comes into the house, she don't say, y'all sit there while I eat. A good mother will feed the children while she's hungry. And they eat after they eat. That's the way the patriarch of a household was back in that day and time. Look here in chapter 14. Abraham's getting together to go get his nephew Lot out of the hands of these pagans. And verse 13, there came one that had escaped and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. Abram was his name. He's not called Abraham until the 17th chapter. Abram means proud father. Abraham means father of many nations. When Abram heard that his brother was taken, called him his brother. They called their nephews brothers, their uncles brothers. They called their kinfolk sisters, their cousins, female cousins sisters. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318. Now, Abraham was rich, but all 318 people weren't rich. He made sure they were taken care of. And pursued them after him. He divided himself against them. He and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them in Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedolaomer. The king of Sodom was a heathen. And of the kings that were with him in the valley of Shaveh, which is in the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, I believe that is Shem, because he outlived Abraham, and he's the only blessed one we find before this. Brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek, Melech. Sadiq. 
the Sade, T-S-A-D-A-Y, is the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it means right or righteous. All their letters had a meaning. Sadiq or the Sade meant right or righteous. So this meant the Melech of righteousness. Melech is a form of Moloch. Moloch was the sun god of Ammon, and Moloch just meant Lord, but God would forbid his people to call him Moloch because all the pagans worshiped the sun god and called him Moloch or Molech. So this means Lord or God of righteousness or peace. God of peace. Now, let's look on and see what happens. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth. Salem is a form of shalom, which is the word peace. That's why he's called the Lord of righteousness or the Lord of peace. That's what Melchizedek means. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes, tithes. The word tithe means a tenth. Means a tenth. Now I want you to notice something. Abraham came out of Ur of the Chaldees around 2100 B.C. That's when he came over and started possessing the land of Canaan. Around 2100. It's down the line Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob's 12 sons, 12 sons, become Israel and this is long before Levi and the Levitical law and the Levitical law was the tithe and many other laws it was the tithe but the tithe had no rituals to it they the people simply came to the priest before 6 o'clock or sundown on Friday evening, since the day began at 6 and went to 6 the next day, the evening and the morning were the first day. Their day started at 6 o'clock in the evening, and they had to get the tithe to the priests before sundown or before 6. So they paid the tithe, went up to the priest and handed it to him. They did not have any ritual. When the rituals, the tithe was not blotted out. People try to make excuse for not giving a tithe. There's not any. There's not an excuse. Maybe God hadn't made you strong enough yet. And I'm not saying people have to do this. I don't want anybody to tithe that God doesn't deal with, but it is a biblical law. And the poor can't tithe. They don't have enough to live on. 
people that have got decent jobs should should give a tenth tithe means tenth let me tell you something if you ever get free of what money you make it's the best feeling in the world I just I am not tied to money I used to be in my 40s when I was in real estate this is my money and I made this you can't have it that's the way I felt I may not have been that nasty about it but I'd find every excuse not to give you help if you needed it I don't do that now when you get really committed to the Lord the last thing that people commit to God is their billfold you know that don't you that's the last thing that God they just like Gerald used to say they got fish hooks in their back back pocket they can't oh my God I can't I just can't get my wallet out (laughs) that was funny so where are we let's get back to this Blessed be the Most High God. If if this is an order forever, somebody's got to be occupying this order all down the line. The most conspicuous people are those descendants of, of Seth in the fifth chapter and the descendants of Noah and Shem in that eleventh chapter. Somebody's got to be in the order, and I don't see anybody else. And here, Shem is outliving Abraham right here. Blessed be the Most High God, verse 20, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And and Abraham gave tithes of all. This is at least 600 to 700 years before Levi is even born. The tithe is here before the law. That's the point. And give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and that I will not take from one thread, even a shoe lasset, from you, you are a heathen king of Sodom and that I will not take anything that is thine you're a pagan lest you should say I made Abram rich I want nothing you got king of Sodom I came to get Lot my nephew that's all (laughs) save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me Anar, Eshkol, and Mamre, them take their portion. But I won't take nothing from you, you heathen. Now, i got to show you, here's the thing. Let me point this out. The Melchizedek was here receiving the tithe in the Old Testament before the law. Before there was a Levite, the Levites received the tithe because they were not part of Israel. They were never numbered with Israel. The Bible says that in Numbers, the first chapter, Numbers, the 35th chapter. And when Levi, when you see Levi numbered, 
in that seventh chapter of Revelation. That's an improper numbering of Israel. They weren't numbered. The 18th chapter of Numbers says they received the tenth of the tithe. This is very interesting where this takes us to. Let's go over here to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Hebrews, the seventh chapter. I don't know of anybody that knows this or even understands it. The Baptist church will say, you got to tithe, the Bible says the tenth, and that's all they got to say. But they don't know why. Over here in Hebrews 7, here's the way it works. The office of Melchizedek began in the garden. All these men held it that they get down to Jacob. In all probability, Jacob held that office. Isaac held the office. Abraham held the office. When they offered sacrifice, they could not do that without being a priest of God. We know that Abraham took his his son, the Bible says his one and only son, Isaac up on the mountain and was ready to offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham wouldn't have done that if he hadn't have been a priest. And then God said, that's enough. I'm not going to have you kill your son. There's a ram over here in the shrubs. Take him and offer him to me. Abraham wouldn't have done that unless he was a priest of God. God had a law about that. He killed men. He killed men that offered the wrong sacrifices, particularly the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. He killed them because they offered strange fire. You couldn't, you couldn't mess up on offering a sacrifice to God. If you did, you died for it. When Jacob would offer sacrifice or Isaac, they had to have that priesthood. When Jacob gets here, he's got these 12 sons. And he's got a son named Levi, the third born. And when you get into the Leviticus, it means the law of the Levites. So the law of the Levites begins. That's a cessation, more or less. It's not a cessation. God is in the heavens, and he's the high priest up here. But the Levitical or the Aaronic priesthood begins here. Aaron was just one of the great-grandsons of Levi. Now, I don't know if I've got time to do all this and get to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. The Levitical law, with Aaron being the high priest, lasts until Jesus is nailed to the cross, and they become a transfer. They were keeping all of the laws of the temple, laws of the temple, until he was nailed to the cross, And everything became spiritual. And the priesthood 
of Levi and the Aaronic high priesthood ceased. And there was a transfer. There was a transfer from Levi to the tribe of Judah. And that's God's first born. So he transfers it back from these Levi and Judah and and Joseph and all of the inheritance goes back to Christ as of his death. That's when they nailed all the rituals to the cross. But there was no rituals to the tithe. People want to talk about how they tithe goats and sheep, but they they try to use that as an excuse to say that ceased. We don't use goats and sheep. We use dollar bills to tithe with. That's what we get paid with. If we got paid in sheep, we'd bring a bunch of sheep out here on the parking lot, and y'all could say, Jim, your tithe is out there on the parking lot. Take it and put it in a, in a fenced-in area. Now, let's go over here to... to uh, Hebrews, the seventh chapter. Well, let's go to the fifth chapter first. In the fifth chapter, how much time do I have, Mike? 35. How much? 35. 35. Let's read a little bit of this fifth chapter. This is where you're going to find Melchizedek. I should read to you. In the Old Testament, where you've got Melchizedek, but I'll read that later. You got Melchizedek twice in the Old Testament. Oh, I got it here. Yeah, it's in uh, Melchizedek is in Genesis fourteen eighteen. We read that, and it's also in Psalms one hundred ten four. Let's look at Psalms. 110.4, hold your place here in the 5th chapter of Hebrews. Psalms 110.4. Most people, they don't, want, they don't know what to do with Melchizedek because they don't study it thoroughly. 110.4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It means the style or after the suitable cause of Melchizedek. Now let's go back over here to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Verse 1, for every high priest taken from among men, that would be the Aaronic priesthood or Aaron's children, is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. It was just a man ritual that they may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. But Hebrews, the 10th chapter in the first verse says, the blood of bulls and goats will not take away sin. That was a picture to look forward to Christ's coming. Who can have compassion on this ignorant 
and on them that are out of the way, out of the hodos. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity, and by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man, so Christ is the one that will offer for our sins. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, and he that is called of God, as was Aaron, Christ, as Melchizedek, in the order of Melchizedek, the office was called of God just as Aaron was. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. This is what the Father said to him. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order, the taxes of Melchizedek. After the office, it's an office. But there has been a transfer of the tithe and of the law to the spiritual. That's what we're in now. When they nailed Christ to the cross, when they did away, I'm going to go ahead and say it again. When they did away with one contract and started another one, they would take the two witnesses, take the two contracting parties out in public, and say, is everyone in agreement? We're going to invalidate this contract. They'd say yes, and they'd drive a nail through it, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, the rituals. There was no ritual to the tithe. It's still here. People want to do away with it. When the Bible says there was a transfer of it, there was a transfer from the Levites over to the Melchizedek priesthood, and we are the priests, and the pastors and the preachers are the priests. Only a pastor that's telling the truth. You don't give tithe to a liar like Kenneth Copeland. That's not a tithe. He's a, that's a con on his part. Now look over here in Hebrews 7. This, if you believe the tithe is gone, this chapter won't make any sense to you. For this Melchizedek, king of peace, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, we read about that in the 14th chapter of Genesis. People say the tithe is not in the New Testament. You're crazy. Keep reading. It's Hebrews in the New Testament. Is 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter in the New Testament. Returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. And there was no Levites yet. First being, by interpretation, king of righteousness. That's what Sadiq means, or Sadeh. And after that, the king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother. Well, it's not talking about, it's talking about Jesus in the office. The office of Melchizedek is without father, without mother. Neither hath beginning of days nor end of life but made like unto the Son of God. It's like anyone was in that office was like Christ. Abideth a priest continually. It didn't leave 
when Jesus started it in the garden. I believe you find those priests in Genesis 5, Genesis 11, and Genesis 14, when Abraham meets Melchizedek, I believe that is Shem, because he didn't get, he probably passed the office to Abraham at that point. You can't teach this unless you've studied it a long time. Now, let's keep reading. Without father, without mother, without beginning of days, without end of life. But he was a priest continually. It's an office continually. Now consider how great this man was unto whom the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. He tithed to Melchizedek. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, which came six, seven hundred years later, those that are sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. This is really funny because it says that the Levites tithed to Melchizedek while they were still in the loins of Abraham because they hadn't been born yet. And he whose descent is not counted from them, not counted from the Levites. Who is Jesus from? Judah, not Levi. Levi was a substitute till you get to Melchizedek. Whose descendant is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had promises. And without all contradiction, the less Abraham is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes. The Levites, they receive tithes. But there he receiveth them, Melchizedek. Shem, I believe, in the office at that time. Of whom it is written that he liveth. And as I may say, Levi also, who receives tithes, paid tithes while he was still in the loins of Abraham. He hadn't even been born yet or conceived. I don't know how people read this chapter. Tithes don't know with. You're ignorant. Or you're cheap, one. Or greedy. I had a guy used to come here. He paid $70 a week because he made 700 a week. And some so-called preacher got a hold of him and said, Tithes are done away with you. You don't have to tithe. So he went from $70 a week to about $20 every three months. I don't know who you think pays these bills here. Pays the rent, pays the lights, pays the we got salaries of five people. We got. If you don't really care about the ministry, it's all you give is a little bit here and there. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. The Levites hadn't even been conceived or born, but they paid tithes in the loins of Abraham to Melchizedek. 
And that was 700 years before the law, before the Levites. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, it's not. It's by the priesthood of Melchizedek. What do you mean Melchizedek? What did the high priest do? He came into the temple. What's the temple now? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? They had a had a temple or they had a tabernacle. They had the altar up here. They had brazen sea here. They had the veil here. The Ark of the Covenant. The candlesticks. The table of showbread and this golden altar of incense. This is gold. This is gold. This is gold. Gold. Brass. Brass. And they would kill this goat on the tenth day of the seventh month. And that's a picture of Christ being killed for us. And Leviticus, the 16th chapter, went through that last week. And the high priest of that one of Aaron's son, or Aaron himself, and he would take the blood from there. That's after he had cleansed this outer sanctuary and taken a bull, a young bullock, and sprinkle the blood inside this outer sanctuary, purifying himself in this sanctuary, then he would go into this veil one day a year, one day, and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant with the blood of the goat. The goat is a picture of Christ. The high priest is a picture of Melchizedek. The Ark of the Covenant is a picture of our hearts. And our hearts are sprinkled and we're elected unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood and that's a blood baptism. And the law was written on tables of stone kept inside the Ark of the Covenant and now the law is written on fleshy tables of our hearts. Fleshy tables of heart. And that's sprinkled by the high priest, by Melchizedek, and our hearts are what he sprinkles He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's the Melchizedek priesthood. Now let's keep reading here. For the priesthood being changed. Wow. The priesthood is changed. It's not what it used to be. It's not the Levites anymore. It's Melchizedek now. This is your heart. Christ is in the office of Melchizedek. He sprinkles our hearts. He's the offering. He's the priest. And he comes into the veil, which is the body, which is his flesh, which is the church. Don't have time to go into that. Which is truth. All these are equal to each other. That's the truth. He comes in and sprinkles our hearts as the priest of Melchizedek. And there is, and the priesthood being changed, changed, transferred. The word is meta, metathesis.
transferred. It's transferred to the preacher. Don't give to a preacher. If you give your tithe, I'm not going to get more money. I'm not going to take the money that's sent and put it in my bank account. It's going to go towards more TV stations. We have a church here at Grace and Truth in Los Angeles, in Chicago, up in Washington. It's TV stations where we preach. We got a church in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Manhattan, the Bronx, over TV. We got a church in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Beaumont, San Antonio, Austin. We got a church in Kansas. The TV station covers all of Kansas. If you're out there, you don't know what to do with your tithe. Send it wherever you get taught. The Bible says in Galatians, the sixth chapter, let a man communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. That word communicate means to partake. You send your tithe where you partake of truth. I don't normally preach on money. I have hardly, I can't get to the tithe and not tell you what it's about. I have to tell you, it's one of the things that most people don't like. Then he says, And the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change, a transfer of the law. Now it is spiritual. Now you got two parts of the law. You got letter and spirit. The letter killeth, and the spirit giveth life, and there was no there was no ritual to the letter. Oh, the letter was all ritual, no ritual to the spirit, and there was no ritual in the tithe. If there had been a ritual in the tithe, you had to swing it up and over across and wave it around over your head ten times. That's all that would have been blotted out, not the tithe itself. Let's read on. There's a change. Metathesis. It was transferred. So was the tithe transferred. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe. I guess so. The tribes were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. It was transferred from Levi to Judah where the king comes from. And that made Jesus priest and king. Priest and king. And he got the everything that Reuben was supposed to get and that made him the head of everything. People hear about Melchizedek He's alive right now, sprinkling the hearts of the believers. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, to, to Judah, not Levi anymore, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Nobody in Judah went to the altar. The Bible says that in Numbers, the 18th chapter. 
only the Levites were around the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Now the priesthood is in Judah. And there was a transfer of everything in that, including the tithe. Of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Well, it wasn't wasn't the priesthood back during Israel's day. It's only Israel's priesthood was Levi, the Levitical law. I've had so many people argue with me. I had a guy call me last night and started a fight over the tithe. Very ignorant man. He wouldn't listen to nothing I was saying. He made that silly old statement. You think you're the only one telling the truth? You're the only one who got the truth? I should have said yes. Just ignorant. For it is evident that the Lord sprang out of Judah, not Levi. Of which tribe Moses didn't speak anything about the priesthood. However, Melchizedek is the priesthood where it's transferred back to. And it is yet for more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, that's Christ, who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified that thou art a priest forever after the order, the taxes of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. There's a disannulling of the commandment of Levi, but not the the tithe that was transferred. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Now let's go back over here to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. I read this last week, but it goes good right here. Does the Bible actually say, when people say, the tithe's not in the New Testament, are you crazy? You think Hebrews is not in the New Testament? You think... Matthew, the 23rd chapter, is not in the New Testament. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you tithe mint and cumin and all these smaller herbs, but he said, you omit the weightier things of the law. It's, he said, and you did good. You did right to tithe. That's what he told him. Look over here in the ninth chapter. I'm going to read this again. This doesn't say tithe, but it alludes to the tithe. It points directly to it. The ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read it the way I did last week. Verse 7. Who goeth to warfare at any time at his own charges? Is it charged to you when you go to war? Do you have to buy your own rifle and your own ammunition and buy your own uniform and, and, uh, and get away to the train station so you can get away to wherever you're, whatever arm forces unit you're supposed to be is that your expense no that's what paul is saying he's talking about him and timothy and the rest of the preachers preaching all over the world who plants a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof if you plant a vineyard don't you get to eat the fruit if i'm out here planting the vineyard for the lord don't i get to uh 
Don't I get to be a part of that? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a man? The law says this, he said. And here's how it says it. It's written in the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 25 and 4. It is written, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Does God not care for oxen? When the oxen were treading, they had a, I saw the, something on TV last night, it was a movie or something was on, and they had, a, they had a donkey or something out here walking in a circle, and it had this, had this, he was limited to this circle because he was yoked to this board that come out there, and he'd go around a circle, and he's, and, and the straw down here, or the feed, is coming out where he's working, and the ox is supposed to eat of whatever it treads. And that's what Paul is saying. We've been treading this world out here, and you don't think you're supposed to support us? Then he says, Or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt. This is written that he that plows should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of the hope. If we have sown in spiritual things, if we've come to Corinth and told you all of these things, you can find that over in the 18th chapter of Acts. And is a great thing, is it any great thing that we should reap your carnal things? Carnal is the word sarks, it means flesh, or sarkikos, which would be money for our trips, our church, our expenses of the people. Sarkikos, it means fleshly things. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? He said, anybody that comes and preaches has this power to tell you, you should be paying the the money for the preacher's expenses and everything that the church needs. Nevertheless, we have not used this power. Corinth was lazy. We find in the 8th and ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you can take any commentary you want to look at. Any writer will tell you, these are called the benevolent chapters. These are not chapters concerning the tithe. These are chapters for offerings for the poor, particularly in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is coming to the end of their days. They're under pressure from Rome. There are a lot of them are starving over there. And Paul is saying, I had to go up here to Macedonia and get money to send to Jerusalem because you wouldn't do it. Macedonia is Philippi. 
Thessalonica and Berea where they are right up here this is the Aegean Sea this is Turkey right here Israel is down here this is the Mediterranean Sea the Aegean Sea, right up here where that little hand-shaped thing is, is Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Paul said, I had to go up here and get money from them to pay your bills down here because you wouldn't. Corinth was <laughs> a sluggish church. I've had people say, I wouldn't come to your church and, have, and be in fights. Well, you wouldn't go to Ephesus and you wouldn't go to Colossia, and you wouldn't go to Corinth for sure, because they were fighting about who was leading them and, and who was better and who was smarter and who knew the most. He said, you're full of contention and strife. One says, I'm following Apollos, and one says, I'm following Paul. One says, I'm following Christ. You're bragging about who your leader is. Huh. Then he says... He talks about the transfer. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things. We allow you not to pay your bills, and we're going to preach to you anyway. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't hinder it if you haven't grown up enough to do your duty. I'm not going to hinder it, and I'm not going to tell you to. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? He's talking about the priesthood of God in the 18th chapter of Numbers that ministered around the altar and they got the tenth. And they which, they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. That's what he says in Numbers 18. If you want to look at it real quick, look at Numbers 18 and verse 7. He's talking to the priests of God. Therefore thou thou and thy sons with thee shall keep the priest's office for everything of the altar. That's what he's talking about. And without within the veil, and ye shall serve. They're the ones that minister the priesthood. I have given your priest office unto you as a secret, as a service of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Only priests can go in there. Back over here to 1 Corinthians 9. They which wait at the altar, partakers of the altar. Verse 14, even so are in the same fashion. The word is chi. It means in the same fashion hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel, which is me and Barnabas and Timothy and Epaphroditus, it takes a lot to do the work of God. The gospel, they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That's what the Bible says. And Paul said, I had to borrow if you look over here in 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, still talking to Corinth, 
actually, verse chapter 11. Here's what he says. Verse 7. Have I committed any offense of basing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? He said in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, I give the gospel without charge. We give the gospel without charge. We don't charge for our DVDs, our mailing, or anything else. It's free. People call me and say, what I want to pay for it. I say, well, you can give an offering, but we don't take money for our DVDs. They're free. I have them say, you'll do that? Yeah, I will. You can give to Kenneth Copeland. He'll lie to you for eighty nine ninety five, And we'll give you the truth for free. We never, we never ask for money except for one thing. That's the poor. That's all. We ask for the poor and nothing else. And people support us from around the world, around the United States. And it takes a lot to stay on these TV stations. I'm not going to get any more money. No. If we bring in $10 million, we'll go on TV all over the country. We're going to go on the Internet. We're going to have some of these TV stations where we can get 24 hours a day if I get $10 million. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But we're going to buy more time. We're going to reach out and hire more people. And I'm not going to get a cent more. My whole purpose in this is to reach the world. And Paul said, I preach the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. I robbed Philippi and Thessalonica to pay your bills. And that comes out in the 8th chapter when he says when he says over there in that 8th chapter second, or ninth chapter he's not even talking about the tithe when he said God loves a cheerful giver. He's talking about the money that he's taken up for these people that are starving to death in Jerusalem. He sent Titus over there to collect it. He said I'm glad to see Titus coming. He's going to bring that money to Jerusalem. Cheerful doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to be cheerful. What I give? I'm going to give a dollar once in a while. <laughs> that's not cheerful. That's cheapskate. That's greedy. I don't believe in getting money. Kenneth Copeland robs the rich, robs the poor to give to the rich himself. He is the rich he gives to and all those charismatics say God wants you to prosper and have millions. That's a lie. Am I out of time? Two minutes. I haven't gotten all of this. I don't know what to do with all of it. So much there. Let me go on back over here to the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. For I preach the gospel. I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. That's what I tell people. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe unto me if I preach not this gospel of predestination and Christmas is pagan and death is self and daily cross. Woe unto me. That's a cry of damnation. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation, an oikonomia, a dispensing of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then verily that when I preach the gospel I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. 
though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jew I became as a Jew, unto the Greek became I as a Greek. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. I've been so hesitant to preach these things because people are resentful of it. It's the truth. Just deal with people as you see fit. Thank you for everything you do. Open up doors and gates for this ministry that we can preach this truth to the world if all possible. Fight our battles. We'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm not sorry I told you that. Letter. <laughs> check. Gracias, Senor. There's another check going out to give to the... To beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Beautiful Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> uh, beautiful Springfield. That's the home of... Pentecostalism and the Independent Baptist. And is that also uh, I haven't finished the. Get all your files. I mean, if the if the if the hard drive's there physically and it is, and you connect to it, what would have caused it to be gone? Uh, the, uh, the procedure he did could have uh, deleted or damaged you know some of your files. 
I doubt it. I doubt it, but it is possible. That's why I said I can't, you know, can't guarantee you I'll be able to recover all your files. But um, chances are your files are, are there. Are, are there. But I don't want to tell you, yes, I'll be able to recover your files. And you go, oh, I, you know, where is this file? Where is that file? Yeah, I mean, some of them I may not even miss. The main kind of files are like I've preached it. You've never seen resumes and tax information and stuff. Right. The transfer came from Jesus' back. Like I said, until I look at it, I can't guarantee it, but I just didn't. I want to set your expectations properly. Um, Chances are I'll be able to recover this stuff, but it all depends on what that program that he ran did to the system. That's Jesus. Now, there's people out there that can probably recover this stuff, but it's not showing. But you're talking about uh, money. A lot of money to get that recovered. I don't have the software for that. You know. I've been having the issues with trying to get. Isn't that the same as John? Didn't we say that John was handing out? I'm listening. Uh, Flash player. Yeah. To be downloaded. Um, So I could use it. There's so much to this. To play my Xfinity Stream TV. Uh huh. Uh, What what, what what browser? Well, yeah. Trojan also. Um, uh, Fifty. Some. Uh, Edge. Edge won't let you use Flash. They're doing away with it, and you know, and also Chrome is doing away with Flash. Well, Chrome keeps blocking it. Yeah, I can't get it to work. You know. They're doing away with Flash. I got a Kindle. Uh, or I got a 